1: All right, Sean Siegel, we are back for another draft. This is, of course, Best Ball Banana Stand. You might be watching this on my YouTube channel. You might be listening to this on the RotoViz Airwaves. It is a show where Sean and I draft a Best Ball Mania 4 team. We talk through all of our strategy, the new ADP landscape, various things you guys can exploit in your drafts. Sean, how are you feeling after a long Memorial Day weekend?
2: Good, good. And I love the intro image there. Colin (laughs) Kelly was working with you on some of this. He's the producer for us over at OT and with the RV Radio Productions. And his thumbnails for our YouTube videos are pretty hilarious because they're either me looking up at the sky like I'm trying to remember something that I will never remember again, or like they're mouth wide open. It's perfect. It's perfect. And all the bananas in the background, I love it.
1: There is uh, I did ask a uh, producer column for some photos of you for thumbnails and I was going through the folder there and I noticed one of you with just long flowing locks. It looked like you were maybe at like the Grand Canyon or Bryce Canyon, something like that. And I also seem to notice, is that your Slack profile picture as well?
2: There's, there's another one uh, from a long time ago in, in New York there in the, the Slack one. The, yeah, the one that. That was one I actually sent to Mike Clay a long time ago for something that he was putting together in my email message. It was, This isn't what you want, but this is what I've got. And obviously, it wasn't what he wanted. But, yeah, I think that was on top of a volcano. And, like, I didn't hike up or anything. Just, you know, tour group going up there. But, yeah, that was that was a fun day.
1: There you go. Um, Since we last
2: talked, I know
1: last week we were referencing a big underdog strategy piece you were going to have up on the site that did publish uh, over the weekend. What can people find in there if they check that out? Because you were kind of doing an exploration on elite QBs.
2: Right. And elite QB is pretty controversial. It'll be interesting to see where we end up going with these QB ADPs I was in a draft last night where I went ahead and took Josh Allen like mid to late third even though Mm. it didn't really fit what I kind of thought that I was going to do but I I wanted to have at least one of those picks in there in case the ADPs don't drop now what we saw last year and what we tend to see is that they're going to get a little bit less expensive as people get more comfortable with some other early picks there but Michael Dubner has a great piece up on the site going through some of the strengths and weaknesses what we might be looking at this year I am a big QB window believer, and I'm a big two QB in the window believer. I tend to be two QBs overall. We're going to talk about some areas where I think that you might really want to deviate from that in a variety of situations this year. But if you reach up out of the window, I think because of the direction the NFL is going, and obviously you've got these three super teams that people are really trying to play those teams. I think if you're trying to play those teams, you really have to lean into that. And you have to go for not just that week 17 stack, but you've got to look for a full week 16 game stacked type of situation. And then there are some other elements as well. So five components to make your elite QB team work. And again, that's to work for the regular season, to work for week 16 advance. So we get as many teams into the finals as possible. And then work for the the big week there. Try to win the $3 million. You
1: reference the QB window. Longtime RotoViz subscribers will know what you mean by that, but for people who aren't familiar, uh, how do you define, or how should people be thinking about the quarterback
2: window? It's going to depend on the year, as the ADP is going to shift around for that entire position. But generally speaking, we're looking at, you know, really that kind of round eight to round thirteen-ish type of area, and you're not going to get the top five or six QBs, but you're looking at that you know, tier two or maybe even tier three, you might say, through approximately QB 16. And, and one of the things that we got last year, and it was a little bit different last year as the QB window kind of moved up a little bit in price, is that you were getting guys like Hertz, especially before the very end, when it became quite obvious that Hertz was, was going to be somebody that people wanted and was going to score, which he did. Joe Burrow, and then toward the end of the window, you get guys like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So, that part, again, actually worked really well last year, even in a season where you go through, you pull up the road of advanced rate explorer, and you can see that these elite QBs, you know, more or less destroy the world, which is why people are reaching earlier for them and want to build their teams around them. So, I mean, you have that tension now of how much are we chasing? last year's production or how much is this really a sea change and we have to be involved on those players one of the things that happened last year and michael discussed this in his article but the elite qb scoring was then also amplified by just this incredible rash of injury across the guys in the window and so if you don't have all of that other qb production if you have elite qb going against teams that maybe don't have hardly anything then i mean It's difficult to overcome that advantage, whether or not that advantage will exist again in 2023 is very much up for debate. But even last year, when we had all of those things working against it, you did have a handful of quarterbacks on some of the key targets as being players who were very successful. So we have to work through that. But Pete, I also don't think the QB window is as strong this year. This might be the weakest year in memory for the QB window.
1: Right, because so many other of the guys who had traditionally fallen there have gotten pushed up outside of it. And now the the available player pool is just not as strong there. But yeah, excited to talk about QBs throughout the offseason. We are underway here in our Best Ball Mania 4 draft. We did draw the 102. Our guy Chipsy from the 1 is starting to have a little fun here. Galaxy branding, A.J. Brown at the 101. Uh, What would you like to do here? Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, the top prizes, anything jump out to you?
2: I'm good to go with Jefferson. I have done some chase teams, and I mean, chase gives you a lot of things you can do that are fun, but I'm guessing that at the end of the season, together and then separately, we'll end up with a lot more Bengals than we do Vikings for a variety of reasons. Kind of fun to get a, a Vikings team here early on.
1: Yeah, especially from the one, two, you know, you get a little excited. All right, maybe I get a slightly different pocket of the draft board, you know, getting in from the two than you do at the turn. Uh, I did notice just, again, one of the things funny, just having my exposures up, just incidentally, I only have 3.4% chase. I've, I've had some 101s, had a lot of 104, 105s. And because I've been taking Jefferson ahead of chase, I'm a, a little below on chase where I'd like to be. But I think as the summer progresses, that will certainly even out because I uh, I do not want to be in the business of uh, accidentally fading Jamar Chase.
2: No. And with Burrow being, I mean, Burrow is the easiest way to play these elite QBs. He didn't score at the level of obviously those three top guys last season. And when you pull up the stack explorer portion of the advanced Rate explorer, you can see how the stack with Burrow and guys like Chase and Higgins was not nearly as dynamic. It basically didn't work at all compared to the top three guys. But if you think about going forward, you know, what are we likely to see as the next big thing? I mean, the next big thing, there's a really good chance that it will be Burrow with those guys. He just needs his receivers to stay healthy. And he has that chance to be, I mean, so much of the discussion around the AFC championship game time period last year was, I mean, has Burrow gone beyond Patrick Mahomes? Obviously that, portion of it is silly but if you're talking about a guy who could jump up into that range in fantasy and be a dynamic score that one guy who might be like mildly discounted and you have him but I do think that the portion with those other three guys that is so interesting is that once Amon Ra is gone I mean you could make an argument that round two is flat I mean to say that round two that early on in the draft that maybe you don't have a guy I mean that part is tough but With drafters adjusting and going after these receivers, we do have an element there where, I mean, you are the back half of round two. You've got some interesting choices. For sure.
1: Uh, And I did just get uh, your Rotoviz rankings loaded into the applet. In our first draft, we drafted off of Pat's legendary upside rankings. And I believe this is still a hybrid blend from the Sean rankings and the Michael Dubner. Is that correct?
2: And Michael just updated his. So
1: Awesome. And is that... Uh, well, we, we both love Michael Dubner, but is this just like do we call this a Sean Siegel sanity check where it's just like some of your rankings are just too hot to touch for casual viewers and listeners that you need Dubner to come in and kind of you know chill things out a little bit? I think that's
2: a very good way to put it.
1: <laughs> uh, well, excited you're out there, and I am going to make a concerted effort. I am trying to, for the audio listeners, let you guys know what the board looks like. The options are available, but I also want to make sure I'm not leading Sean. You know, sometimes I naturally will say like, Oh, these are the top picks available today. Sean, I'm going to be more intentional about letting you look at the draft board and you getting the first words out about what you would like to do, because I, part of doing this and what's fun for me is getting the full Sean experience. I don't want to just draft uh, the same teams I would draft otherwise. So uh, as we come up here on the two, three turn um, uh, all the top quarterbacks are still on the board, couple running backs, uh, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard and Ramondre and wide receiver T Higgins. T Higgins comes off the board there. So the next available wide receiver, you're down in that Debo Keenan Allen range, um, about to be up on the board here. What do you like?
2: One of the things that we see when we pull up the win the flex tool, which is a Blair Andrews special is that running backs give you a lot more implied points by ADP. So with the wide receivers wiped out, you do have to look here, especially since we didn't take Chase. You have to look here at I mean, going with a couple of running backs, right? So Which we went you hall want? last time. Do you like Stevenson? Do you want to go with double Hall to start?
1: Uh let, let's mix it up. Did you you mentioned Stevenson? I'll I'll sneak that one in that. You mentioned Stevenson over Pollard. Uh do are you in the ranks? It seems like it,
2: they're all obviously close. Are you Stevenson over Pollard though? I am. I had an interesting discussion with Connor Driscoll last night talking about Pollard is a guy who, I mean, he's not going to fall into all of the work that Elliott gives up. And so from that perspective, I don't think that he has the same upside, even though we love his profile. I mean, he's the kind of guy who, you know, a zero RB, perfect selection for years and years and years and years. Do you want to go two running
1: backs here with Brees and Ramondre or go Josh Allen?
2: let's let's see where the quarterbacks end up falling in this draft go with a couple right. of a couple of the running backs here one of the things in looking at the board overall and it is that weakness that you run into at the 101 and the 102 and there are a ton of strengths and so you certainly can't complain anytime that you get one of those two picks you definitely can't complain in a situation here where you're able to get jefferson you see here at the drafter who takes AJ Brown at the one-on-one does go back in there with Hertz, but there's a chance that T Higgins will go in front of you. I think that after Higgins, you have this massive, massive tier break. When Mm. I'm looking at the first seven rounds, I think that you have to get five wide receivers as many times as is humanly possible. And you have to go wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds. And then round three is a very clear running back round because you still have some very fun names available and you don't have the receivers. And then you've got to get back onto the receivers four through seven. Um, Again, those almost have to be receiver picks and then round eight, you're looking at the potential for a guy to slide to you. But Pete, the thing that I was going to mention that I do think is interesting and is very relevant now with what happened to us in this board is that when you pull up the win the flex tool, which uses ADP and historical ADP and results to give you implied points and so you can see that if the future resembled what we've seen and you can pick out the years that you want to work with you can look at just 2022 if you want you can look at the last couple of years you can pull up a different format to see how the shape of scoring has gone over a a longer period of time that's something you and i talked about kind of in a different context last week but you can look at that and see how the positions are scoring relative to each other and you do find that you know once you get into that kind of middle of the second round area, running backs should give you about 30 more points. Now it's obviously not just about points, but one of the things that we discussed for a decade with zero RB is that by drafting running backs, you're leaving actual points on the table. Now, the reason that zero RB has been so dynamic and will continue to be so dynamic is it's not just that. There are other structural elements to it that really help, including the contingency-based element to running back scoring. And it's one of the reasons why, even though in a half PPR format, and especially now with ADP shifting, that you should be getting, I mean, this huge advantage for running backs, you still don't actually see it. And some of those things, I think, come back to one of the things that you brought up last week, which is how many players do you have live at the end of the season? Mm -hmm. And zero RB is actually going to be a very favorable structure to have as many live players as possible too. So a lot of things going on there, but if you hit, and I kind of referenced last week that there's always this chance to have a 2016 season. Again, it's going to hit at some point, probably not in any specific year that people are thinking of it, but then you're in really good shape. So mostly here, thinking of those running backs as being picks that will work as long as we do still end up with the wide receiver depth we want overall.
1: Yeah, and it it can get tricky. And I do think the thing I immediately start thinking about is the issue Pat and I just ran into in our previous draft where we had CMC, we had Hertz, and then there was a distinct pocket of the draft where the wide receivers were still the value. But because we had made such a big bet on the Eagles and Dallas Goddard sitting there, allowing us to unlock an elite tight end build, it was really hard to pass that up. But then we felt behind the eight ball the entire time. So I do think a lot when we double tap running back, at the 2-3 turn, which I do think just looking at the value pockets of the draft, what we did, elite wide receiver followed by two running backs, was definitely taking what the room gave us. But now I'm immediately immediately starting to think, could we afford an elite QB detour? It doesn't look like that's going to be available to us regardless. And then the big question is, could you afford an elite tight end detour here at the 4-5 turn? Or do we really need to hammer wide receivers as they fly off the board?
2: And I think we probably have to hammer those receivers. One of the things that is interesting, and you would kind of I had, I had mentioned that I was going to try and get you on board with three tight end. Three tight end, I do think, is the way to play it when you get stuck like this. We'll go into the, more of that late, but those are probably the three guys I would be looking at. I do think that Walker is a really interesting play. He's massively undervalued just overall. But of those players, McLaurin is not someone I have as much of a target on, but I think he probably fits kind of what we're looking at here. Would that be your take?
1: Yeah. I, I like McLaurin a lot. And then I also, you know, in general in those spots, if I'm trying to have a final tiebreaker, I do like to do it based on ADP. um, Just knowing that we'll probably get a chance um, to get other guys later. Um, Yeah. The Walker stuff's interesting. I'm with you on that. Pat and I drafted Charbonnet in that last draft, but I'm with you on Kenneth Walker being a value anytime in the, in the fifth, but I wonder with our structure, if we might get too buried by the time it comes all the way back around to 71, you could also make a case for Hawkinson, but I kind of think Godwin structurally, what, what makes sense to you though?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a little part of me that likes Hawkinson for that week 16, just massive blow up game with the Vikings, but I did it. I mean, once okay. It, okay. It's, it's we're like in, the, we're in.
1: I have a recency bias too, Sean. So the last good thing you said about a player is what's lingering in my head. So uh, if we're going to set up the, uh, the Hawkins, if take care. So we do run the risk now of similar spot where Pat and I took two detours, quarterback tight end. Um, and now we took two detours, a second running back in a tight end. So, you know, if anything, we tie our hands behind our back and I make you come up with some deep wide receiver flyers that you can tell good stories about.
2: Well, I mean, I don't want to lean in too heavily to the players that you just drafted. I did think it was funny coming in and, and hearing you guys talk about the double buy. I do think that the best team that I've drafted so far, other than the quarterback situation, but both quarterbacks were amazing, had the same buy. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: there you go. So if we can get
2: through that one week, kind of like you guys were talking about. I mean, that's my favorite team. You you draft that second quarterback with the same buy. You're thinking, should I draft the third one? But then, I mean, that'll be the draft where in the 18th round, you're actually given the perfect player as opposed to your third QB. So
1: J Mike in the chat, the full Seagull experience is keeping you waiting for who the actual pick should be until five seconds after the clock has ended did. You know what? I think what I'm going to do is I'm building up a Seagull radar, though, where I can just kind of read the ebbs and flows of you know your intonations and kind of know what you would actually do. And I, I it, TJ Hawkinson was making a late surge there at the four or five turn.
2: Well, I was trying to wait on it long enough that we wouldn't get in. We were going we to get timed <laughs> out on Chris Godwin.
1: But. Yeah.
2: But the problem I, the thing is, with God, is Godwin is another guy who's massively undervalued, but you see here, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit tough to take someone. I mean, it's not, but, but you see where, what happens here in round five, where the thing that we were looking at is that we want a receiver. but We take Hawkinson because the guy that we actually were going to pick doesn't go until the five eleven. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and there's, you know,
1: different ebbs and flows with this room. This this room actually seems like the wide receiver ADPs, at least now in the fourth and fifth, are a little closer to where they were. We do have, of course, a huge badge brigade room here. Every single person with a red badge except one, one team here. So a lot of drafters, who you know what they're doing. Through five rounds, we have uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall at running back, Justin Jefferson and Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, and TJ Hawkinson at tight end here. And we do now start to see the wide receivers come off the board. Did you have any thoughts on the DeAndre Hopkins fallout? We see Marquise Brown come off the board at 65 here. Have you made any big adjustments in your ranks relative to that news?
2: You know, I didn't have to make much in the way of adjustments maybe compared to the industry. I think that Hopkins is not necessarily going to be in a dramatically better situation in I uh, Marquise Brown was already going to be someone who, I mean, you can even argue that Hopkins being there would help him. It didn't happen last year. And so people tend to think, well, it's not going to happen again, but there were so many different injury elements involved in the specifics of what happened there.
1: So looking at this board here, um, what jumps out to you?
2: Well, I have Pickens so far in almost every draft. So to be able to add – a Deontay Johnson makes a lot of sense there. I, I'm almost going to have to start passing up on Pickens to take some Deontay Johnson at times. And but now, so I, I, that's perfect because again, I mean, you see all those wide receivers wiped out in round six to get somebody who's a decent value by ADP there is helpful. I think you could go right back with Quinton Johnson I and mean, he's somebody where in this draft it makes sense. But also, I mean, I would be shocked if his ADP doesn't continue to rise.
1: Yeah. And talk to me. So we do uh, for the audio listeners there, we do go with Deontay Johnson and Quinton Johnston at that six, seven turn. I would say there was a chance some of the wide receivers got wiped out there. I'm feeling a little bit better about our Hawkinson detour there knowing we got these two guys talk a bit about Quinton Johnston, because I don't know if people picked up on it last week, but you had a reference of being pretty low on Mike Williams relative to consensus relative to ADP. And it sounds like, part of that bearishness is fueled by excitement for Quentin Johnston.
2: It is. And uh, Johnston ideally will be a much more well-rounded and explosive version of Williams. And I do think that Keenan Allen, who was fantastic over the final third of last season could come out and be great. It's not going to be something where Johnston has to jump in and be a star immediately. And yet you're going to have some veterans drawing coverage. You're going to have this new offense. And so some of the things over the past couple of years that they even tried to force on Williams and he was unsuccessful with, you probably won't see that type of a thing. So Johnson has a chance to really come out there and separate. He was a piece that they picked up because they needed another guy. You're starting to have your, starting receivers age out in a way that you don't want with your young QB, you know, hopefully superstar. I mean, you think about where people were last year on Burrow relative to Herbert and how those offenses were going to work. I mean, Johnson is a guy who, when we think about the quick adjustments of rookie wide receivers over the last several years, he's a guy who's in the perfect situation to make that leap if the new offense works. We're going to feel pretty comfortable with Justin Herbert. And one of the things with Johnson is even though people have some contested catch issues with him he's also a guy who is always open when you have his length and then his leaping ability I mean you can fail to make some contested catches if your quarterback also just likes the fact that he can throw the ball up to you and you're available whereas some of his other guys have not been he's also amazing after the catch so if you had a guy in Johnston who actually had very good yards per route numbers at TCU if you have him actually as a better NFL player and he fits kind of that profile I mean, then you're off to the races.
1: Yeah, he's a very fun selection. And I'm kind of with you on surprise that he hasn't jumped up more to like Jordan Addison levels. You know, at this point, uh, I'm surprised that they're not being valued similarly. Also on kind of how you think about Mike Williams vis-a-vis Quinton Johnson. It sounds like you kind of feel similarly about DK Metcalf relative to JSN that based on your ranking of Metcalf that the market isn't valuing enough the impact that JSN is going to have on this offense?
2: I think so. You have Metcalf there holding the other two guys down, which is nice. But, I mean, one of the things that we've witnessed with Walker is that Charbonnet has knocked him, you know, a round or two below where he should pretty clearly be. And yet, in a situation where I think it actually makes a little bit more difference at wide receiver there with the Seahawks, you're not seeing that same kind of dynamic at play. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, We are heading into the eighth round here. Going to be on the clock at pick 95 in a few minutes. Our team so far, two running backs from Andre Stevenson and Brees Hall. Our wide receivers, we got four now. Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, and Quinton Johnston. And our tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Here, definitely some later QB options for this team. Wide receivers, you know, pretty firmly wiped off the board. The top available based on ranks and ADP. Michael Thomas, Jacoby Myers, Zay Jones, Tyler Boyd, Sky Moore. Um, By just pure ranks here, it does look like a quarterback running back um, sweet spot here. What's standing out to you?
2: Yeah, I like Cook as the potential play to get another really high upside running back and one of the things anytime you take Brees hall is that you have to be aware that maybe you're going to get off to a little bit slower start i expect that so many of the teams that we draft will be young and they will be explosive for the second half of the season we're going to have to i mean i have to fight my own tendencies to kind of be aware of that and just to take you know some selections that balance it out from time to time what, what do you think on the QB situation here? Obviously, we wouldn't want to lose Cousins. when We've got a couple of his guys. It seems like he could fall through, but there may not be another player that is a necessity.
1: That's, that's my thing here. I'm putting Kirk Cousins in the queue right now. I mean, the Addison drafters behind us, so we block him, but going all the way to pick 119 with a lot of teams pushing quarterback, you know, it, it's probably like, a 35 to 40% chance he comes back. But because the opportunity cost isn't super high, like if there was a wide receiver we liked or a screaming value, I'd be like, let's just do it. Let's push it. But I didn't see anything else really jumping out to me there as we do uh, select Kirk Cousins.
2: I agree. And I mean, I've always been willing to take pretty big risks on the QBs coming back. QB is a spot where you can occasionally get some huge ADP values. And so especially if you have some other reaches on your draft, you know, you can do some fun things in terms of getting a little bit more unique, getting an extra player plus your QB if you take some of those risks. And yet, I mean, there just wasn't a compelling argument for someone else for us there.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's a little easier to push it from the middle of the room, right? Because you can say, hey, you can look at the backside of the board and be like, hey, these teams already have QBs. You know, it's only 10 or 11 picks until we're up next. Whereas when you are on that turn or near the turn, I mean, at 20-some picks, you can see runs happen. I do want to circle back on the James Cook stuff. Um, His ADP has seemed somewhat solidified, although I do sense a ton of enthusiasm for Damian Harris. Do you view those guys as um, being able to kind of coexist or both return on their ADPs that they'll be used differently? Or do you view it as, hey, James Cook could really surge and take over this backfield?
2: I think Cook could really surge. He's probably not going to be the type of player. I mean, he's gonna be in that Tony Pollard type of mold, right, ideally. Now he's not as good as Pollard in all likelihood. And there are some structural elements about the Bills offense maybe give you pause and at the same time i just think this is a a great way to get some exposure to buffalo in a situation where i mean just think about that offense stays explosive but they shift slightly in terms of their play calling and maybe the catalyst for that is james cook well then you have a complete tournament winning thesis for him there i do like damian harris and one of the cool things about the stack explorer is it does tend to show that if you have a qb wide receiver pairing and then take the rb2 with them it it juices your advanced rates kind of across the board which is kind of cool so he's someone when you have kind of that digs allen early you know one two that i think you'd be looking at especially if he falls but i guess i would expect to see a little bit larger gap between those two guys at some point you know or or we get some damian harris hype and maybe they actually just flip so I think those ADPs will be interesting to track. And it kind of highlights too, where we do still have quite a bit of running back uncertainty at this time of the draft season.
1: Yeah, I think for people, it, it is almost just like an imagination or storytelling thing. It's so easy to tell yourself the story. Damian Harris is the goal line back on one of the best offenses in football. We've already seen him rack up a massive touchdown year. Ergo, he's going to do the same thing in Buffalo, whereas James Cook, it takes a little more imagination. We haven't seen what does it look like if he gets more touches a game, what if he catches a few more balls a game, if his role grows. And so I think that ambiguity is keeping his price in check um, in a pretty nice way. I'm, I'm with you on him. I forget what it said my exposure was, but I've been taking him a fair amount. Yeah, I'm almost double the field on James Cook right now. We are heading up to our 10th round pick here at 10 11 our team so far kirk cousins Ramondre stevenson brees hall and james cook our wide receivers still at four justin jefferson terry mclaurin Deontay johnson quinton johnston and our tight end uh tj hawkinson pure value wise it is looking like another running back area but we also have a guy like sky Moore, romeo dobbs if we wanted to minnesota bring back um what do you like here
2: Well, part of it is the wide receiver enthusiasm, but P. Ryan is well below and yeah, to balance out all of those Javante Williams teams and (laughs) also to just balance the Brees Hall selection there. When you think about what Sean Payton has done for his backs, and yes, it's going to be different with Russell Wilson. That could be a hugely limiting effect, but I mean, it, it just—it's such a great pick. I think
1: we do take some Ajay P. Ryan here. We are on the clock. Twenty-two seconds left. Do we want to grab a fifth wide receiver here, or is something else jumping out to you?
2: Well, what do you think about Herbert?
1: There, talk to me about talk to me about Herbert. Let's do it. I, I assume we're done at running back after this pick.
2: Or close probably, to... probably yeah. the. The thing with with him, and it was interesting even before they added Roshan, that with Herbert and Deontay Foreman, you got, I think, two of the top six guys in rushing yards over expected from last season by next gen. Herbert has fantastic advanced stats that you can pull up in our. I guess athlete named advanced Stat tool and see what he's doing in terms of evasion rate, see what he's doing in terms of yards after contact. He's a player where if you don't have that Johnson pick drop down on top of them, then to add a third guy where suddenly we're in the mix with three, then I just, there's no way that you're going to be able to get him in that range because the skill level that he has or the talent that he's demonstrated so far is elite and it's going to be so difficult to focus on any of those three running backs when you have justin fields as such a dynamic rusher himself plus now you have a lot more vertical ability in their passing attack so this offense in chicago is one that even though we talked last week on the show i mean dj Moore probably overvalued there are going to be some landmines that you can hit but overall that offense could end up being a leap offense now you still yeah. need some things to happen in your favor for herbert to be the guy who really benefits but one of the interesting things once we get into this range with the running backs is that when you're basically looking at chicago new orleans and miami as the three offenses that you can really select from because they have yeah. too many players
1: nine running backs right there yeah and so
2: yeah it's going to knock those guys down it has to and yet at the same time when you're talking about individual weeks when you're talking about playoff weeks the upside potential from those offenses and from those specific backs and the backs are interesting right so we're going to have some hits there
1: how do you think because i do know one thing we talked about it a little bit last week with your love for Jalen Waddle relative to tyree kill you know in previous years you've played the eagles through Devonte smith relative to a more expensive aj brown now we're talking about these running back rooms where it almost seems like you're maybe a little more inclined to play it through the more expensive back because you think the market is properly factoring in kind of the talent level there because I definitely have had that issue. Like I've been loving Mostert and Wilson as the cheaper options in the Dolphins room and even taking a lot of Deontay Foreman just because he's so cheap relative to that. But it sounds like we just want to take a humility-based approach. One of these guys can emerge. Herbert's still the best bet to do so. And if he does, he is going to massively outperform that ADP.
2: I think that that's true. And I mean, you and I drafted Kendra Miller last week. I've got a lot of Roshan. Because the upside is so significant and you know, when it's not going to be four or five drafts that we do, I mean, you're obviously going to do a huge number. I, I do think you want to have some of those other options sprinkled in.
1: Yep. So a lot of wide receivers continuing to go off the board here might need to get a little creative, Sean. I'm going to need to see you uh, pulling out uh some picks here unless you see another position if we keep punting
2: a wide receiver well i i don't know that it's too early to take a marvin mims
1: i did it i did it last draft i i mean i think we're we're in that portion here we get our little week 17 mini correlation here i'm up to uh an ungodly amount of marvin mims but in this room i do think uh, we're going to have to recover that wide receiver. We do select Marvin Mims here in the 12th round at pick 143. Back on the clock here at the beginning of the 13th. What do you see?
2: Well, we took Cole Komet last time. I just feel like he's going to be that guy that I inadvertently get more than I want. I don't want to go that direction again. I mean, it's so far ahead of EDP on Wandale and Taekwon, but my my own ranks are also just massively ahead of ADP on those guys. So
1: I don't think we have a choice in this room. I go ahead and select Wandel Robinson as well. Talk to me, talk to me about those two guys, right? Because, you know, we, again, we dealt with this wide receiver avalanche in the last draft with Pat. You know, one thing I was mentioning is you can get away with it if you have some of these conviction plays in the double digit rounds that you think are massively undervalued. It sounds like you think, marvin mims and wandell robinson maybe we took them at more appropriate values but based on adp it sounds like you think those guys um could really outperform
2: yeah and part of it is simply that outside of maybe taking the chiefs players uh, there's i mean deandre hopkins is a real A wild card in terms of what it's going to mean because if he ends up with the chiefs which i don't think that he will then i mean the prices that you have in this draft on rasheed rice and sky Moore, even though i like both of those guys and I, i'd be hard pressed to think that they're gonna both bust again you look at the dynasty price on rice and it's really strange because The only reason he's so cheap in Dynasty is because Sky Moore missed last season. There were some similarities to what they did in the draft that would concern you, and you would prefer that they had taken Mims. And yet, it's, it's weird that drafters are pattern matching so strongly in a way that probably doesn't make sense. But... In a lot of these best ball drafts, you're not necessarily getting that. You still have somewhat enthusiastic prices on Rice and more. Those players are interesting, although, I mean, whether they're more or less interesting in an avalanche draft is sort of a separate question, but you get beyond that. And I think there are only four tr- like truly draftable wide receivers from wide receiver 60 to wide receiver 90, which, I mean, again, that's why you have avalanche drafts. That's why... Covering yourself at the position in the first seven rounds is so crucial. And that's why, even though something like the win the flex and all of the other analyses looking at running back scoring and how it you know, contrasts with wide receivers early, I mean, that's why you have to be on wide receiver.
1: So, how do you think about that? Because you just said, you know, there's only a couple wide receivers you think are even worth selecting. Like, does looking back, like one of the P. Ryan or Herbert picks, does that feel like a a luxury pick or or maybe unnecessarily playing chicken with the draft room knowing, hey, I, I might massively have to reach for one of those guys and they might not even be there because the draft room might agree that those are the last remaining good players. So how are you thinking about that when you're staring down an avalanche room and you do kind of take maybe structurally luxury picks in P. Ryan and Herbert?
2: I guess I still like those picks. I think that if you have four guys who are draftable, then... I mean, you try and take those four guys now. Someone who, as opposed to just t- starting to take some of those guys earlier, I don't. I mean, I don't know the other wide receivers who've been drafted. If you have a heavy Dolphins team, then I think that mm. you can pick Beckham. But otherwise, I just don't think there's any point in having him. Rondell Moore is someone that I mean, I've been massively above ADP on. Now that shifts a little bit, but when you're talking about the 11, 12 turn, I mean, it's probably not as exciting. I think with the early selection of Terry McLaurin that Curtis Samuel is someone who might have been interesting because in this specific iteration of the commander's offense you could see him as someone who really jumps up and you know makes the case for himself so that was one that maybe because of who we had already taken should have been a little bit more in play but I mean I I feel pretty good really about where we are perhaps because I'm very enthusiastic about the early wide receivers that we have
1: yeah. Um, so we are at right now a one one build coming up on our 14th round pick, pick 167. Here still have some stack options available based on players we have selected. Um, and the room is almost daring us to take Cole Komet here at pick 167, Sean.
2: They are. The thing that happens anytime that you take Cole Komet is that you want your 17th and 18th round picks to be tight ends and you just no longer do that. And so do you in the bye week
1: bros might be after us two week, 13 buys. I don't know if you care about that real quick. What do you, what do you want to do
2: here? What, what do you, what would you like at, at quarterback?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I think we have, you know, a big bet here on Deontay Johnson. I think Kenny Pickett you know, makes a ton of sense here for, you know, running out of guys who can be, who we feel confident about their, their job security. I feel like Kenny Pickett looks like a good selection there.
2: So one of the things that did happen for folks listening on at home is Tyquan Thornton did not make it back to us. So he did not. Yeah, That was what made the, the last discussion.
1: Uh, Chipsy takes the bullet on, uh, Cole Komet, 20 seconds, Sean. I'm showing you the board here at the top. Um, Any any wide receivers you can tell a story on here?
2: No, let's go back to the the tight end again. Yeah, let's... Who do you like?
1: Uh, I'm just gonna put Trey McBride in uh, to get us a selection here. Trey McBride would have been one of those guys that I think should be getting a bit of an ADP bump uh, relative to the Hopkins news. I know Pat was bringing up some stuff with Zach Ertz there. Um, you do have Mike Gesicki ahead of him in these rankings, but you can play the ADP game a little bit there. We do select Trey McBride and Kenny Pickett. So we're at a two-five-six-two here. You are going to be forced to come up with some wide receivers you like late though.
2: We talk about the having the live players and we talk yeah. about, You know, how do we maximize some of the elements of the team in a weird draft like this? And I think Mm -hmm. that you can go away from the structure a little bit to make sure that you have live guys. And I think that you can also go away from the structure a little bit to kind of think outside the box on how that flex position will be filled. And so that is the element with that portion of it. Now, Trey McBride is somebody who I think should be going much, much earlier. I was pulling up our ADP uh, tracking portion of the tool, where kind of looking at how, what the response was to the DeAndre Hopkins release. And he jumps because people think he's gonna go to either the Bills or the Chiefs. Those two receivers jump, Rondell Moore takes a big leap, and you can understand why that would be the case. But Trey McBride more or less doesn't move, which I think is really strange. When you consider where he was drafted last year how athletic he is the fact that they now need targets and that over the last six weeks of last season he started to draw targets which really manifested in that week 17 game where he had 10 targets seven receptions 70 plus yards and a touchdown i'm not saying that his games are going to mostly be like that they won't but he's someone especially at the price where your (laughs) exposure on him should be extremely high And it's also kind of fun when you have Eagles teams, obviously, to go that direction. I mean, so many of the guys that we've had a shot at here haven't really filled with some of the other players that we've had, which has been kind of an extra little consideration as we look at what we're doing with the build. I'm pulling up the RCE to see kind of just how much I think that we can stretch it on this wide, wide receiver receivers. situation
1: yeah so why sean looks this up i'll recap the team again so we have the kirk cousins double stack to justin jefferson and tj hawkinson we have a kenny pickett stack to deontay johnson our running backs are ramondre stevenson breese hall james cook samajay p ryan khalil herbert and nice shape there our other wide receivers terry mclaurin quinton johnston marvin mims and wandell robinson and then that other tight end with hawkinson is trey mcbride we have three more picks coming down the pike. Um, tons of quarterbacks still on the board. Kyler sliding here, ADP of 150, um, sliding all the way down here into the mid-180s. Um, wide receiver, you're in just total dart throw range with a lot of these guys. I don't know if there's any correlation stuff we would want to consider. Our bringbacks are for Minnesota and Pittsburgh would be Seattle in Green Bay but not a ton kicking around with those guys either
0: <clears throat> we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: well we took josh palmer last time i don't love that selection but he is a player who exists we (laughs) (laughs) do you regret do you regret
1: agreeing to do this show where we stream our drafts with some of the toughest drafters on underdog as just like a purely masochistic exercise
2: no not at all i do i do (laughs) regret taking tj hawkinson but I mean, he's going to be the guy when we look back that won the the whole thing for us. So it's it's so funny that that was the theme
1: of these two drafts of uh, tight end detours that made sense for the team because you set up the premium double stacks when Dallas got it in the first draft with Pat Hawkinson, but then just noticing you know the big opportunity cost of you know who do we take there? You could take Godwin, I think was was the guy we were debating and how much he changes. Kind of the profile of this wide receiver room, but Sean, we can't we can't get timed out here. We're going to be on the clock here at sixteen eleven. Anything standing out to you here? Potentially a third QB, a deep wide receiver. We could just do the Palmer thing, like you said. We got the Denver P. Ryan, we got the uh, James Cook back-to-back minis there.
2: Yeah, you also have a, an option to take Paris Campbell. In case you have issues with Wendell Robinson and you know his recovery or just the usage. So I think that those are some interesting picks. Cedric Tillman is someone who I mean if Deshaun Watson bounces back, then there's at least again, like you said, a story that you can tell yourself there. The the bills are also just way down in terms of where they are with. Their pass catchers. And so from that perspective, I think that Devontae Parker is kind of interesting. He's someone who, you know, was always overdrafted. And yet you get in the situation here where he's available late and the price is nothing. And then he starts to make more sense than he had, you know, for the past five or six years.
1: Let's do it. We select, we go Josh Palmer, Devontae Parker, at least two when you're kind of plugging your nose with some of these late wide receiver picks, if you can. And you were kind of mentioning it, like when are the times you get exposure to a Curtis Samuel? Well, it's when you're building out something with the Commanders or the Niners. You know, here we do have the Denver Buffalo stuff with the Chargers. And then also Devontae Parker, we already made a bet on Ramondre Stevenson. And I think we could also maybe have the conversation of whether mac jones if he comes back if this would potentially be a three quarterback build or if we're taking i guess it would be another tight end or wide receiver most likely there do you think do you have any kind of lean on how you would approach this structurally
2: well in this particular build the RCE does prefer that third tight end over the third qb i do think that. Cousins and Pickett are guys where you might like to have a hybrid free QB at the end to give yourself Hmm. a little bit more upside. So there are obviously some names out there that make sense from that perspective. And even though that's not what the roster construction explorer says, I would be tempted perhaps to go that particular route just to, again look at this situation with the receivers when you take that wide receiver five in the double digit rounds your win rates do really fall through the floor but as you're mentioning you do want to then get up to eight of them if you can and that third tight end can be another way to have a touchdown potential guy to fill that flex position
1: yep so, uh, this draft is speeding along here. Uh, our final team, we're going to have one more selection at 1811. Uh, Sean just mentioned it. Our two quarterbacks, Kirk cousins and Kenny Pickett running backs from Andre Stevenson, Brees Hall, James Cook, Samajay P Ryan, Khalil Herbert, wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Quentin Johnson, Marvin Mims, Wondell Robinson, Joshua Palmer, Devontae Parker, tight ends TJ Hawkinson, Trey McBride, um, it when I have it set up here by ranks, we're definitely, I think, out of the market for these running backs. Um, it looks like it is going to be a QB or tight end pick. Um, there are you know, there's lots of stuff you could do, right? You get the or Sam Howell does go, so no, no stack there. You mentioned some of the upside plays at quarterback if you wanted to do something with a San Francisco quarterback, and then we also have lots of tight ends we like, you know, Noah Fant there as potential mini with deontay johnson hunter henry if we're building out the patriots bet what stands out to you
2: well Howell would have been the perfect pick especially when you do get terry mclaurin on this particular team i think that he is going to score well beyond where he's being drafted it's another one of those things where again you can't complain about having the second pick but even in round 18 there are some issues where the guy that I mean it's undervalued by six rounds. That's pretty good. Go, but oh, uh no fan. <laughs>
1: okay. See, I we were on the same wave there, but I didn't want to want to take it for granted here. Uh Yes, yeah, sorry. They, get the,
2: the third tight. Yeah, Stop moving the cross and so I didn't see the
1: <laughs> Oh my bad, my bad. Um yeah, so talk about yeah, so you mentioned it, it was if if Hal was there, what is it pretty close for you on the third tight end or the third quarterback?
2: I think if he's there, I mean he's such a massive smash play that it would overrule anything that you're anything else that you're trying to do, because Mm. I mean, I think that you look at our team and Kirk cousins is the most important player because of the early selections. But in terms of the quarterback who's going to score the most points, I think it's really close with Sam Howell. So you you add that in (laughs) that's a huge value to you. But one of the reasons to think about, three tight end builds and one of the reasons to again avoid the the tj hawkinson pick which it's just so difficult because i mean hawkinson is a tournament winner type of player if you have that elite tight end score and it doesn't have to be all season but you get it in the playoffs one or two times and that completely changes where you are versus everyone else now i mean is hawkins still still going to be that with jordan addison on the team as well i think it depends a lot on how much of the target volume he takes because Mm -hmm. he's another one like Quentin Johnson, where it's, it's interesting to see that his ADP is actually very enthusiastic. He is someone who, again, kind of a dynasty. You're looking at those guys being right in the same spot, but I mean, Johnson seems like the player who probably isn't a better situation for immediate production and i think that you can tell a story where he has more upside as a prospect too but both of these guys huge range of outcomes but then to be drafted at the level they're drafted at especially addison is interesting people are obviously excited about this minnesota offense so you have those three guys together and i really like that part of it but you can again see where if you don't get the five receivers in the first seven rounds then you get a team like we have here and one of the things with our very last pick Noah Fant. (sighs) What which again almost missed there is that I mean Fant is more or less not drafted yeah and yet he's an easy selection where if he were this year's T.J. Hawkinson where I mean as an athlete he's even well ahead of Hawkinson that offense in the next stage of Geno Smith and how well he played last year that takes the next step as opposed to regressing I mean, you've got another guy out there with JSN I mean What if mostly what happens is that Metcalf and Lockett lose a lot of value and Fant either emerges or they sort of showcase him for a trade. If Fant would move to a team like Hawkinson did last year where they actually want to use him, you're talking about a top five tight end, who again, is basically not getting drafted. So you have that option late, it fit with our build. We're looking really good at scoring everywhere except for those last two wide receivers, which again, I mean, that is important. That is the puzzle.
1: Yep, it is, and uh, we will continue to navigate these Badge Brigade rooms. The final team here for the audio listeners, shout out to everyone listening on the Rotoviz Podcast Network. We stream these drafts on my YouTube channel every Wednesday, the first draft with the defending Best Ball Mania champ, Pat Corain. You can find the audio to that. Show on my podcast feed in a vacuum podcast. And then all of the Sean drafts will be available on the road of his podcast feed. But our team here, Sean, Kirk Cousins and Kenny Pickett at quarterback, our running backs, Ramondre Stevenson, Grease Hall, James Cook, Samajay Ryan Khalil Herbert, our wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Quinton Johnston, Marvin Mims, Wandell Robinson, Joshua Palmer, Devontae Parker, ADP is a social construct. And our tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, Trey McBride, and Noah Fant. Sean, what do you got coming down the pipeline at RotoViz this week?
2: Well, Bart Andrews just released his first nine rounds, so single digit rounds, the players that he is looking to build around in underdog. It probably won't come as a surprise to listeners that in almost every case, he and I had a pure mind meld on that. You'll want to check that out. It goes through a variety of the evidence based reasons for selecting those players i have the elite qb the five components but i'm also going to do a contrarian elite qb build that's hyper fragile kind of work through how you have to then execute the rest of the way to make that work again looking at the roster construction explorer and kind of matching that in with an actual draft to show how that works and and move through it individual players the week 16 stacks in correlation week 17 how to make an elite qb team but a hyper-fragile team get together, win you the $3 million.
1: Can I give you a homework assignment to do sometime this summer, Sean? I need an article of your brain, the RCE, the data, how to navigate a wide receiver avalanche room. That That's the piece I need, Sean, because this is my life. All 150 drafts streamed with these assholes taking all the wide receivers I like. I need that piece. Can I get that piece on the site at well, some point this summer?
2: I'm, we'll have articles up about the drafts That you and I have done. Okay. So obviously a little promotion of the show in there, but also looking at the things that you're going to run into. Because one of the things that you run into all the time, you ask me if I regret it. I don't, I mean, this is the highlight of my week. Oh, I love it. Do you regret (laughs) streaming all 150 of your drafts? The fact that you are in these avalanches and are going to be dealing with that, and yet you'll be able to develop the pivots that you need the detours that you need to make that work and knowing that i mean there are some positives to drafting with the best players as well in that they are less likely to hurt themselves in order to hurt you in the second half of drafts which you will see if you're in a draft with no badges and it's not even that people are necessarily trying to do that but just the Level of familiarity with how these drafts work isn't as strong. Sometimes you know you draft at you know two o'clock eastern, those of us on the west coast, you can get some very interesting drafts, and so I like the fact that I get a lot of contrast in the drafts. But but where's the starting point on that with the wide receiver avalanche? I mentioned that you have to get five in the first seven. We didn't do that today, but it was a very specific situation where Hawkinson with Justin Jefferson and that we were in a situation that is pretty unusual where the wide receivers were gone by the time they hit us in round two. And I think round two is a spot where, I mean, again, you, you've got to get a wide receiver.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. I, I do like the getting really unique running back rooms and i know there's a lot of sharks that uh don't necessarily announce it and they're probably having a harder time getting in these rooms this year but they willingly wanted to hop into these rooms because it allowed them to get access to certain builds, certain combinations of running backs that they weren't able to get in traditional rooms. So it's just towing that line, right? It's making sure you're not just getting so buried at wide receiver while also still enjoying some of the benefits that come from those unique rooms. And I should also mention the giveaway rolls on when I hit 15,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel, I'm going to give away $1,500, $500 to three different winners. Every time you leave a comment, on one of my stream drafts that gets you an entry so however many streams i end up doing that will be the max amount of entries available so the second this show ends you can leave a comment and that will get you an entry into that giveaway and on a really good pace here on a great pace to hit 15k subs by the end of the summer, hopefully well before then, if we stay at this pace. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel, make sure you are subscribed to Rotoviz. I got the links down below. Highly, highly recommend checking out Sean's work over there, all the great work referencing from Blair Andrews, Connor O'Driscoll, all kinds of great contributors. It is a really great companion piece to uh, working through hot best ball summer. I will be back for another draft this afternoon on the Swolecast at 2 p.m. and then ship chasing tonight at 9.15. Sean and I will be back as always every Wednesday at 11 p. or sorry, 11 a.m. Eastern. Appreciate all you guys hanging out in the chat. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Good luck surviving your avalanches. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.